Welcome back to New Rockstars, everybody. This is The Big Question, the show that gives you too much information about time travel in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and how maybe the reason so few people do it is that the TVA sucks more than traffic school. My name is MT, <laughs> and here today is Eric Voss, my brother from another mother. How you doing, Eric? I'm doing good, MT. I'm so glad we have an excuse to talk about time travel. I secretly want every Big Question episode to be one about time travel. Ah! It's amazing. <laughs> And we did a whole like thing. Uh, Hector Navarro, our good friend, and I did this uh, big episode about time travel back in August of 2020. And oh, now really? that like Loki is here, it's kind of <laughs> revising some of the rules of time travel. Yes. Also, I got uh, Tenet's time travel logic all wrong. So we needed to do an update. NMT, so glad we could do it. <laughs> Me too. I'm a huge fan of time travel. Like time travel yeah. is my shit. But I know that time travel is even more your shit. So I'm glad yeah. that you are here for this question or for this video. <laughs> Now, trailers for the newest Disney Plus show, Loki, have indicated that the MCU is returning to one of their favorite narrative devices, time travel. Because in the latest trailer, we get a glimpse of the prime MCU timeline with many branch timelines shooting off of it. So this has us wondering, how does the TVA and Loki change the rules of time travel in the MCU, Eric? All right, MT, I got you covered. Okay. Uh, I got you covered until some point in the future in which I will be completely wrong, but we'll just go back in time and fix it. So exactly. if it's not fixed right now, it means that I was correct. Right? If we're using that version of time travel. Exactly. Hmm. Uh, I get to talk about my types. Oh, my types. Yes, my What types. is your type, Eric? Tell me your type. Oh, you'll, you'll hear my type. Oh, I can't wait to tell you my type. Um, but first, I got to tell you about the Time Variance Authority, the TVA. Yes. This is the bureaucratic organization in the Marvel Universe tasked with keeping the pure timeline intact. Mm. Uh, they just kind of keep order within the, the multiverse of timelines and make sure that no one gets away with too much time meddling. They're time mm. cops, yes. but also like time lawyers and and time DMV desk workers and time whatever. Mike Wazowski, <laughs> did you fill in your time paperwork? Time traveling Wazowski. Yeah, they That's are. That's what they are. Major corporate heads over at the TVA. <laughs> uh huh. Now, in the comics, the TVA's base of operations is this area called the Null Time Zone. Yes. It's a dimension that exists outside the normal boundaries of space and time. And actually, in one of the trailers, Mobius and Mobius says, well, time passes differently here in the TVA. Wow. Wow. That was impressive. That was a really good impression. <laughs> he says it just like that, and that means they're in the null time zone. Uh, well, according to our eager... Uh, <laughs> according to our eagerness to make things what we want them to be in our head <laughs> Some more rules of this. It appears that they use elevator-style portals to travel to different points in the main timeline. That's kind of a cool aesthetic choice Majorly there. cool. I love the way the yeah. portals look. There it goes. It's so great. Now, the Loki variant that we're following in the show branched off from the Prime timeline when he stole the Tesseract, the Space Stone, and escaped post-Battle in New York in 2012, That's thanks right. to the actions of the time-traveling Avengers who were in the middle of that time heist. So let me quickly explain the, the eight types of time travel according Ooh. to me. Let's get <laughs> this into is gonna it. take you back to that video. Uh, so type one is what I call f it time travel. Oh. That's basically... <laughs> The vast majority of time travel stories where anything goes, it's there's some kind of magical goofy device, whether it's a, a DeLorean or a hot tub <laughs> or a, 
a phone booth, uh, fixing history. There's something that happened in the past that they want to change. Back to the Future is a Mm. classic example of that. But then in Back to the Future Part 2, we get a new type of time travel that is called Branch Reality Time Travel, Type 2. This is where changes to the past don't just kind of like affect the future automatically, but rather split the timeline Mm -hmm. into a multiverse of different timelines. Remember Doc Brown drawing them? the 1985B. So it's kind of different rules of time travel now. And that's mm. what Hulk was trying to explain to Scott Lang and Rhodey of like, no, when you you have a new future now, it's a different yeah. timeline. So Back to the Future is a bunch of bullshit? That okay. tends to be when they start trying to be smart about time travel. That's type two. Okay. <laughs> uh, type three is what we call time dilation. This is where characters move through forward in time at a different speed. They can't go back in time. So we see this in Interstellar, Flight of the Navigator. Uh, there's other places this shows up. Type four is what we call this always happened Ooh, time travel. Okay. This is where screenwriters try to get real clever with it. Uh, <laughs> it's where time is always the way it was on a predestined loop. Like things are the way they are. This unusual world is, oh, because some future time traveler actually went back uh, without me noticing and just made things the way they are. So uh, everything is kind of justified by the act of time travel. Terminator, the reason why John Connor has to lead a resistance where Skynet technology evolves into this artificial intelligence is because time travel happened to prevent that to begin with. (laughs) Uh, Harry Potter, Prisoner of Azkaban, the third one. It was all like, wait, how did I get hit in the head by the back of this thing? Oh, it's because the future you did that to get your attention so that fudge didn't catch you. And then Uh, they just never bring it up again. (laughs) And they never bring it up. And the the creepy implication of this is, there is no free will because things happen not because of your choices, but because you are destined to do them. Mm-hmm. It's complicated. Uh, and by the way, we learned that Christopher Nolan's Tenet follows the this always happened predestination theory of okay. uh, everything that happens. Even though they go reversal in time, they use these temporal pincers. Things are the way they are because people have looped back in the future to set them that way. That's just the rules of it. Um, Seeing the future is what we call type five. That's just the kind of classic one where characters can look ahead in the future and they change their actions to affect the future. So Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol, Minority Report, you know. That's Um, a raven, of course. That invented the type. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, but is it really time travel? Uh, your consciousness kind of gets projected in the future, but arguably not time travel per se. Mm. Um, now, Groundhog Day is type six. That's where characters are stuck in a time loop and they keep reliving the same day mm. or the same year or they get as far as they can before they have to loop back. Uh, Palm Springs, uh, Live, Die, Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow. They're using this more and more. A Russian yeah. doll uh, does that. Um, and then uh, time Type seven is my type. Uh, oh, so okay. Unstuck mind. This is where characters uh, displace their consciousness forward and backward in time and then relive their history. Okay. So Logan does this in X-Men Days of Future Past. Mm. Um, that's consciousness displacement, unstuck time. Famously, it was Slaughterhouse-Five that really was like the first time people were like, whoa, this is a way you can do time travel. Kurt Vonnegut uh, does where Billy Pilgrim jumps around in time. Uh, Desmond in Lost does this. Mm. And that was uh, made a lot of references to Slaughterhouse-Five when they did that in Lost. Uh, and then type eight, 
might be one of the more complicated ones. And I call it unstuck body because mm. it's kind of like characters are moving backwards through time, but they're able to control their actions and use the reversing time to their advantage and affect change. Uh, mm -hmm. So there are examples of this. The one I like to use is primer because it's kind of like characters go in a box and their bodies get de-aged. Their bodies are unstuck in time and they kind of loop back and they're able to change things. But Primer is also like a fusion of like a branch timeline, um, um, Groundhog Day time loop. Um, but I like to refer to it as unstuck body because what's creepy about it is it's the closest to time travel real life theoretical physicists have come up with where they're oh. able to prove that certain particles theoretically can be de-aged on the axis of time which is just creepy to think about. Do they make that in lotion form? Because I would love to get some uh, de-aging going on here. Uh, that'd be great. Uh, you give me too much hope, Eric. It depends what you're using the lotion for into. Uh, leave it there. Yes, uh, it's not a multiple use lotion. Please uh, be careful where you apply it. You don't want a baby penis. That's the not good. I wasn't <laughs> Oh God, okay. okay. Oh my. <laughs> Oh me, oh my. Demonetize. Uh, <laughs> okay, um, so those are the eight types. And until now, every time we've seen time travel in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's kind of fallen into a different category. They've been very inconsistent. So mm. uh, the Doctor Strange movie in 2016, it kind of starts with uh, some unstuck body time reversal in Hong Kong with type eight. Mm. That's where Doctor Strange like uses the reassembling buildings to like trap people inside of fish oh, tanks yeah. and stuff. That was a great sequence. That was so cool. <laughs> you know, Christopher Nolan just watched that. And he's like, I could do this as a whole movie. That makes no sense. And then, uh, but then they also famously use Groundhog Day style time loops when he's battling Dormammu in the Dark Dimension. He's like, mm. I come here to bargain. Kind of his version, like, I could do this all day. That was type six. And then uh, Avengers Infinity War showed a Doctor Strange scene in the future, type five, mm. when he looked ahead to the 14,605 possible outcomes. Uh, and then we get Avengers Endgame, which blows open time travel in the MCU, of course. <laughs> uh, it starts with this kind of branch. Time, actually, it starts with time dilation, right? Because Scott mm. Lang was time dilated in the uh, quantum realm. So it's type three. But then uh, they go into branch timeline time travel type two. That's what Hulk is kind of explaining. Yeah. Uh, but they also do a bit of unstuck body where Scott de-ages into a baby uh, in type eight. It's like a fruit uh, basket. <laughs> it really is. Uh, but then it ends up in kind of a mix of type one time travel and type four this always happened time travel it really depends on how you interpret old cap's return in the final scene mm. now the screenwriters claim that old cap was in the background of the mcu the whole time and that everything we've seen has occurred <laughs> because that's how old cap let it play out mm. which is insane to think about yes. which is why the russos disagree with it and they're like no he just went to an alternate <laughs> timeline like hulk said he's just in an alternate history he was he didn't let 9-11 happen Are you yeah that'd be real sketchy <laughs> You just yeah. let all those terrible things happen. Yeah. So as is the case with most time travel stories, we're kind of left with just f*** it. Uh, <laughs> and that's kind of where Loki seems to be hovering mm. uh, between that and branch timeline. Because branch timeline is kind of the logic they're sticking with. Mobius's TVA monitor shows mm. that uh, flowing timeline and it breaks off into branches, as you said, MT. Mm. And uh, Loki is labeled variant L1130. And he's just one of many branch reality Lokis created by the initial break. 
uh, mm. from when he escaped in 2012. Even um, Tom Hilston said as much. He said that like the title logo refers to, it's all about identity. And it's just like different versions of this person that you're going to see. Yeah. Uh, and uh, by escaping on that path, this Loki variant was able to bypass the historical path that we saw the prime Loki follow in the dark mm. world and Ragnarok and infinity war. And now all these different branches refer to several different other Lokis that we're going to see president Loki, DB Cooper Loki, you know, whoever it is. Now what's important about Mobius and Mobius's visual example is that it matches the ancient ones branch timeline yes. description to banner and end game. You remember this MT. Yeah. She goes whoosh. And like the gold's line goes all, all the way into the distance. And then yep. she does the graphic. It's a, a wonderful she graphic. flicks the stone. Yeah. Oh, it's so great. <laughs> and anytime uh, a complicated uh, explanation matches some other complicated explanation in Semantic Universe, it's like, yes, we have some answers now. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like the TBA using the same visual metaphors as the wizards. It's kind of like the nerds and the LARPers agreeing on the same pizza topping. It just kind of tells us pepperoni and pineapple, an objective truth of the perfect topping combo. Unless, are you willing to fight me on that? Because I can do this all day when it comes to pepperoni Listen, and pineapple. I mean, I'm all about the pineapple on pizza, so you know, yeah. that's just where I'm at. Okay, so uh, we are kind of left with the three rules of this explanation of timelines in the MCU. Rule Tell one, me, Eric. time travel causes the timeline to break into parallel alternate timelines, what we will refer to as the multiverse. Rule two. Those breaks can only occur when an infinity stone is displaced from its place in history and not returned. Mm. So Cap clipped a lot of those branches when he returned the stones, but Loki, by stealing the space stone from that timeline, it took the space stone out of it and it created a new alternate timeline, which also might tell us that subrule A, that the space stone in this timeline might get lost or stolen in Loki. Uh, and B, that all the other alternate Lokis we see might have also stolen the Tesseract or the Scepter from its place in history and or the Power Stone or the Time Stone or something else and kind of caused all these other Lokis to split off in their own way. In fact, maybe someone stealing the Time Stone is how we get further chaos because that person has a different form of time magic. Okay, I like that. And also this got me thinking about you know, remember the Power Stone in Gardens of the Galaxy? That was locked up. So, like, mm -hmm. I wonder if the reason why it was locked up like that was because of maybe Loki time traveling shenanigans or they just wanted to mm -hmm. lock it down in history. Who knows? Exactly. <laughs> uh, and that idea of magic brings us to our third rule, rule three. Yes. This all works. Everything we know about time travel in the MCU is magic, not mm. science. Mm. So it didn't really make sense when Hulk tried to explain it to Rhodey or to Scott. It only made sense when the Ancient One, at that point in history, the Sorcerer Supreme, gave us some confirmation, was able to speak authoritatively on it. Um, mm. You could argue that magic is essentially science humans do not yet understand, according to the Asgardians. So <laughs> it's all kind of the same thing, but it looks like going forward, they're going to use the language of magic and not like science fiction, Planck scale, EPR paradox. That might be how humans try to talk about it, but really it's only going to make sense in terms of magic. Which, which makes sense for the MCU, because I feel like once you say something's magic, it's just easier for people to just digest and understand and accept. So like they're yes. making these movies for just the regular layman. So it's just, yeah, yes. it's magic, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> just that, you get it, you get it, idiot. Stop questioning that, stupid. I'm not sure the science really supports that. 
magic. But that idea of sorcery may be why Loki in particular was chosen to help the TVA fix this time crisis because he is a sorcerer. He is a wizard yes. without a hat. He uh, <laughs> trained in magic by Frigga and as guardian witch. It wasn't just an insult. She owns it. She's a witch. <laughs> she is a witch. She loves being a witch. She loved being she a witch it. till she was murdered by an elf. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> sad times. <laughs> sad times. Look at me. Witch! Since we're now conflating time travel with magic in the MCU, all of this may just kind of descend into that f*** it category. Uh, Because Loki seems to be following shows like Rick and Morty and Doctor Who. And those shows totally embrace absurdism with their sci-fi rules. Uh, There is some logic to it. And in fact, Rick and Morty had a rule for a long time of never doing time travel. But then the writers eventually just kind of caved on it. And then they did one time travel episode so far. Uh, Season four, episode five. That's when a snake planet invents time travel. And then it ends up going into Terminator rules (laughs) where uh, like there's a predestined closed loop of Morty and Rick's future selves looping back on that timeline. And they do a little Easter egg where they plant their ship early in the episode to show that the future selves are just waiting for time to catch up. Uh, So that ended up being kind of a type four this always happened thing i freaking love rick and morty when they do stuff like that it's so good yeah. oh, yeah. it's amazing and i bring it up because the showrunner on rick and morty is mike waldron who is a rick and morty writer and it seems mm. to be they might be going in that direction for loki from two crucial details that you can find in trailer footage that they're going to be doing kind of a this always happened type four structure for loki the first clue is that tva timeline monitor we've been talking about where you see right. loki's uh, l1130 branch is really the one in the middle and then as it extends you can see various other branches to the left and to the right of it extending as well which means that loki's branch caused ripple effects after it in the historical timeline, but also somehow before it happened. So we can conclude from that that Loki's branch inevitably led to some other future time traveler who looped back and caused other disruptions that had already happened in history. Dang, this is about to be some complicated show, dude. <laughs> it's good, but we're going to have a lot of fun explaining it. <laughs> or doing the best of, that we can. And that brings us to our second detail, D.B. Cooper. Yes. So... D.B. Cooper already exists in our real-world history. He was a mystery hijacker in 1971 who jumped out of a plane with $200,000 and he was never found. This show is kind of suggesting that D.B. Cooper was actually Loki the whole time. I knew it. (laughs) This series may be saying that this and plenty of other historical mysteries were actually just the doing of the God of Mischief's time meddling in the show. In other words... This always happened, and it happened because of Loki. Dang, is the reason why I'm depressed because of Loki? Probably. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Everything bad is because of Loki. 9-11, Loki. Kennedy, Loki. (laughs) January 6th, Loki. Me stubbing my toe, Loki. Hey, but watch that. What the? What the? Darla taking a shit on my favorite shirt, Loki. Loki. You just, that makes more sense. I'm like, somehow Loki farted too hard and the earth got tipped off its rotation and a revolution around the sun. It's like, like you've ruined time, Loki. Now we need February 29th. Thanks, man. (laughs) Okay, so in conclusion, MT, it's still a little soon to know exactly how Loki's going to change the rules. But we already know so far that it's going to skew the MCU into one of a couple different types of time travel. And it's going to be doing the very complicated dramatic Tenet slash uh, Prisoner of Azkaban slash predestination slash Terminator style where it's... uh, 
insane to talk about everything wrong in the world that we've always asked questions, every plot hole potentially in the MCU, uh, whether it's, why is it Don Cheadle now? Why is it Ruffalo now? <laughs> why did Spider-Man Homecoming have that eight years later time card? It was all Loki's fault, exactly. which I love. <laughs> they could just retcon all their mistakes. Like, yeah, it was Loki. Yeah. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So really, uh, while you could say Endgame showed us the door to multiversal timelines, the MCU, it was Loki who had to walk through it. Oh. And I'm so excited to see him do that. Thank you for that. Like all those riveting explanations of all the types. And I'm going to be looking closely for all the different types in Loki. I'm like, mm, what, are you, what types are you doing? What are you, what are you going to do there, Loki? Focusing. I will uh, not rest until <laughs> everyone just starts using the types, uh, the type code uh, just kind of commonly. Like, like when people are comments like, oh, so this is like a Terminator. They're like, no, dude, type four. Come on. Watch the New York City. <laughs> you know, honestly, I want the types uh, introduced in dating apps. So like you would just yeah. find a partner by the type of time travel that they like. What type of time like traveler are you? Exactly. I'm unstuck time. They're like, oh, you're unstuck mind? I'm unstuck body. This isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. Sorry. I mean. And one guy's like, I'm just a sticky body. <laughs> Anybody want a sticky body? Ew, no, Curtis. Get out of here. Oh, I can't. I'm stuck to my chair. <laughs> Well, thank you, Eric. That was an amazing explanation. And we are going to dive into our bite-sized questions next. But first, we got to hear a word from the amazing people that help make Big Question possible. People like Mint Mobile. Big wireless providers love to trick us with a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month, I wondered where the catch was going to be. But good news, everyone. There is zero catch. There just it does not exist. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they are the first company to sell wireless service online only. By cutting out retail stores, there is no crazy overhead costs that get passed down to you in the form of mystery fees. Disgusting. But instead, Mint passes those savings on to you. Here at New Rockstars, Philip has switched to Mint Mobile and he loves it. He kept his phone and just swapped out the SIM card and has good or better service as he had before at a fraction of the cost. And all plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number, which is super convenient. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has a seven-day money-back guarantee. So there's no risk. Just go for it. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash big Q. That is mintmobile.com slash big Q. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash big Q. Ooh, that sounds like a great deal, MT, but I got a great deal for you, our Ooh. sponsor, Masterclass. Masterclass lets you learn from the world's best minds, anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. Learn how to act from Natalie Portman, or how to DJ from Questlove, or improve your storytelling skills from Neil Gaiman. With over 100 classes from a range of world-class instructors, that thing you've always wanted to do is closer than you think. Now, at New Rockstars, we have been digging into the business strategy and leadership class from Disney CEO 
CEO, Bob Iger. Sadly, he doesn't go into how you too can buy Lucasfilm and Marvel to become the biggest entertainment giant in the world, but he does go into negotiation and strategy stuff, and that's still really cool. Masterclass <laughs> is accessible on your phone, web, or smart TV. Each class is broken out into individual video lessons, usually around 10 minutes long. Members can explore at their own pace, and each class is supported by downloadable materials like lessons and recipes. Oh, yeah, I didn't even mention you can take a cooking class from Gordon Ramsay or Wolfgang Puck. You can find all available classes at masterclass.com. I highly recommend you check it out. Get unlimited access to every masterclass. And as a Big Question fan, you can get 15% off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash big question. That's masterclass.com slash big question for 15% off. Masterclass. 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 So you're saying that I can learn from Gordon Ramsay without the yelling at me? I'm in. <laughs> there might be some yelling involved. I can't guarantee he won't yell. He gets okay. animated. The guy gets excited about cooking, you know? I mean, all right. Then I, I guess that's more more of an authentic experience, the yelling. So, All <laughs> right. Too. So what is our bite-sized question, Eric? Ah, my bite-sized question for you, MT. Uh, so I want to know the exact value of the stolen artwork that we see in Sharon Carter's gallery <laughs> in the Falcon, the Winter Soldier, episode three. Oh, wow. Well, that is a great question, Eric, because uh, there is a lot of really expensive art uh -huh. in that place. Uh, <laughs> yep. I can't believe we're all dancing around it, but why not? It's Madripoor. There's no rules. Uh, right, right. <laughs> so when we meet up with Sharon Carter in Falcon and Winter Soldier, she's still on the run for multiple government agencies after the shenanigans and helping Cap and Falcon during the events of Civil War. Now, to keep herself afloat, she's been dealing in stolen artwork, as we all do when we're on the run. We, we only get a brief glimpse at some of the collection, but after going through the episode frame by frame, we've been able to put a value on those pieces that we did see in the episode. Nice. Now, okay. first, before the party, we can see a full suit of medieval armor and traditional Roman helmet with the red plume or galia. It's hard to identify exactly what these pieces are, but if we look at the similar artifacts from that time period, we can estimate the following. Now, let's take a look at the suit of armor. A rare full suit of armor was recently valued at $620,500 to $879,900 for a Sotheby's auction. We can assume that the armor in Sharon's collection would be rare and valuable, but we can be conservative and list it at like $600,000. Okay. Still pretty good. This one was really nice. Good. All right, good um, start. And then the Roman Galia. Of course, there is a range value for this type of piece depending on the quality of the item and the intricacies of the piece. But in 2010, a very rare and intricate Roman helmet sold for about $3.6 million at a Christie's auction. That is. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's worth more than my life. <laughs> No, um, no, empty. It is easily worth more than my life, Eric. Easily. We can cobble together more money than that for your life. <laughs> we will George Bailey your life. We can't fully see the piece here, but the metalwork from the back at least looks impressive. Now, again, let's be conservative and list this at about $1.8 million. Okay, which is, so half of what it sold for. Okay. Yeah, which is still All pretty right. good. It's still, still really good. Still pretty good. Yeah. Now, let's go to the party where Zemo is. Mm. Mm, mm. Oh, remember. laying down the moves, you know what I'm saying? Because we have artwork there that we could identify. Now, the Great Wave of Kanogawa, uh, which is a woodblock print by Hokusai, which is valued at $51,500 to $77,500. That's it? That's a big one. They should pay more for that. They should really do that because that's a uh, classic piece of art. And we got some Van Gogh at the party with a Van Gogh self-portrait from 1889. Um, and this piece sold for $71.5 million at a Christie's auction in 1998, which wow. means that the 
value in today's dollars would be around like 115 million dollars. Oh my so like, god. Pretty much double that. Oh well, not no, that's not double at all. It's no. 1.5 times that maybe. Yeah. Yeah, like 1.5 yeah. times that. Uh-huh. Um it's probably worth more, but we'll just leave it at that because we're not art collectors here. Whoa. We? No. We're not? I've been we're collecting only a lot art of thieves, art. Eric. We yeah. don't art okay. collect. Oh, that's right. It's, it's if you different. steal it, you're you know, not we, a collector. Yeah, you got to We pay. steal it, but we just, we just sell it. We just don't think about Where's this. Where's the certificate of authenticity? Yeah. yeah. Then we have Woman with a Parasol, Madame Monet and Her Son, a painting by Claude Monet. Now, a similar famous Monet painting called Haystacks sold at an auction in 2019 for about $110.7 million. Oh, my God. So I would say that we could probably value this at around that same price as well. Oh, my God. Art's so much money. And then we have the rehearsal of the ballet on stage, Oscar Degas from 1874, and a similar Degas painting of dancers was valued at $48 million in 1999, which is about like $75 million today. And it would probably be worth a lot less if Zemo actually gets too close and touches it, which, which he almost he did. does. He did with his sweaty dance fingers. He touched it? Or he got close. He got real close. I think Zemo's too, he's too classy, but he's also too curious. So he's just, okay. he gets real close, but he doesn't get too close. He's a toucher. Yeah. <laughs> he's a toucher. <laughs> Zemo's definitely a toucher. He's, you he's didn't definitely ask for the, that uh... painting's consent, Zemo. <laughs> you see this guy at the party? Bounce him out. Mm-hmm. Bounce him He'll be out. touching all your paintings, bro. Don't, don't <laughs> trust Zemo. He'll be all up on your Mona Lisa. You know what I mean? Painting, uh, where on yourself did Zemo touch you? Yeah. <laughs> we might be having to cut that out. And then we have The Young Woman of the People by Amadeo Modigliani. Buongiorno. And paintings by this artist have sold for 40 to $170 million. So let us conservatively estimate this at around $100 million. Wow, Holy okay. Shit. And of course, we have The Head of a Peasant Girl by Kashmir Cernovich Malevich. I'm so sorry if I said your name terribly wrong. <laughs> yeah, he, I don't think he might. And paintings by this artist have sold for $60 million to $85 million. So on the table, we can see that there are three bids, and it's currently at $6,100,000. So it's possible that this art is going for a much lower price than our world value. Which means that maybe the post-blip world just values art less than we do. Maybe we're just Either classier way. than the MC. They've had to live practically for five years. So, like, you know what? Do we need? Do we need to spend this money on art? Since there was half people around to even appreciate the art, maybe the value yeah, just goes yeah. down, you know? That's- and finally, there is Portrait of a Young Man by Renaissance artist Raphael. And this painting dates back to the 16th century and is actually thought to be a self-portrait of Raphael himself, uh-huh. which is very weird because he does not look like a Ninja Turtle, but we shall let that yeah, slide. Take him out of word. There's a lot of historical significance to this painting as it was stolen by Nazis when they invaded Poland in World War II. It is still yet to be recovered, and according to some art market specialists, if found, the painting itself would be worth in excess of 100 million U.S. dollars today, right now. We gotta find it, MT. What are we doing making YouTube videos? Sharon has got the painting. The painting has been found. Well, if Sharon has it, it, it... we, she doesn't appreciate it. We, she doesn't need it. She has a high town penthouse. We're, exactly. we're in the same end. We're in a blue dungeon, just at very ends of a very long hallway that's blue. <laughs> hey, hey, bro, MG. what's going on? Hey. hey. Anyway, 
We're not allowed to get close to each other. Oh, they they, they kept us apart because we were just uh, cuddling at work too much. We were. We were goofing around. We were cuddling, and they said, you two, long hallway. Theorizing and cuddling. Enough of that. Hey, cut it out. It's your fault. So, just these pieces alone would give Sharon Carter of Madripoor at least $563 million worth of artistic assets, Eric. And that's just the arts that we were able to see in the show. She's probably got over a billion dollars worth of art, most likely. But good God, that is a classy, a well-to-do woman. I don't know why she's complaining about not being able to see her dad. Boo-hoo, you got a Monet. And she did that somehow. Uh, she might have been there for two years, but then she's gone for five, and then she's back there for six months and is able... She could buy an island. Exactly. Like, that's an amazing work work ethic if, like, for six months, you're just hustling, you got all those paintings. Wow. She's a hard worker, that Sharon Carter. <laughs> Always hustling. I mean, you got a lot of time on your hands when you're on the run from the government, apparently. That's right, so. that's right. Thank you, MT, for that answer. That uh, clarified a lot of things and brought up way more questions. It makes me far more confused about her character now. Yes, uh, it's, it's all super complicated stuff, but, you know, with time travel and art, it's not gonna be easy. Now it is time of the show where we do our thing with... The box of scraps! Box of scraps! Questions! <laughs> Now, today's Box of Scraps question is, do you have any funny club slash bar stories? And have you danced as well as Zemo, Eric? Do you have any cool mm, club slash bar stories? Mm, mm-hmm. mm. I believe I might have told a story in a past big question about when my pants ripped during Apple Bottom jeans at a party. <laughs> so I won't, you have to go find that uh, episode. I can't remember what episode it was, but my pants ripped because I went too low, 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 low. Oh. And uh, there was video of it that my buddy sent me later. Uh, but the story that comes to mind right now, um, <laughs> okay, so I have this weird thing about karaoke where I don't want to do it unless I know <laughs> everyone in the room because uh, I've just had a couple bad way. experiences with karaoke. Um, oh, but I love it. I love watching it. I love going out with friends and watching them do it. Um, but uh, so there was this like, it was a Several years ago, it must have been, because it was a friend's, um, I think it was a rap party for a show she worked on or a movie she worked on. And they rented out this mm. big bar. And it's like this a bar with like multiple parts to it. Uh, it's just like one of these places that like they rent out for big parties like that, for big studio mm. parties. Uh, or it might have been an Emmys party or something like that when I used to work on a show. Anyway, cool. um Part of one room was devoted just for karaoke, and then there was like a big dance floor. Uh, and I was there for her, really. I was like her guest. I was there for like a bunch of people. I knew some of the people there, but uh, most of the people I didn't work with them, so I wasn't, I didn't really know them. And yeah. I got real drunk because it was open bar, it was drinks for free. So I, I like, mean, as you yeah. should, I mean, come on, oh yeah. Uh, and, uh, so I was getting real drunk and then like, uh, she was like, oh, we should sing. We should do a karaoke song. Together. What song do you want to put down? And I was real loud and I was real drunk and I was like, you know what? You need, you need to write down, you write, you go up there, you go up there and you tell them that we are going to sing Lady Gaga Stars Born. Oh, and boy. she's like, what? I'm like, Lady Gaga Star is born. 
Star is Born. And I think I was trying to say Shallow, maybe, from uh, Star is Born. Because I'm like, oh, this would be a cool duet. And I'm like, man, people love that song at that time. So she went up there and I was like, yes, thank you. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was a real long wait list for karaoke. So everyone was just kind of dancing and drinking. I was getting drunker. Uh, and I'd even forgotten that I'd said that. And then she comes back up to me and she goes, hey, we're up next. And I was like, huh? She's like, we're up next for karaoke. I, I put down what you said. Lady Gaga born this way. And I was like, wait, hold on. What? Born this way. And then suddenly I was like, oh, no. Because, look, I love Lady Gaga born this way. I think it's a great song. Um, but I realized I was, I just read the room and I'm like, these people don't know me. And if I try to do this. Uh, it's going to look like I'm making fun of it. It's going to look like mm. I'm making fun of Lady Gaga's gay anthem. And I don't want to yeah. look like I'm making fun of it. Like, I don't, <laughs> these people don't know me. I don't know them. Yeah. If, if it was just like a room full of people I know, I would have been okay with it. And even looking back, I probably just should have done it. I, I could have yeah. crushed it. But I was just like, oh, okay. And she turned her back and I ran to the bathroom. Oh, wait, you just, you didn't do it? I Oh my god. So I was just like waiting in there. I was like, uh, uh, and they're like, do you need help, sir? I'm like, leave me alone. I'm fine. Um, and then I waited, you know, enough time for the song to change over. And I was like, okay, okay, I'm just going to leave this now. I'm going to leave this party. So as I made it back, and I was in one other room, I couldn't even hear what song was playing. I couldn't hear if it was done or not. But I yeah. kind of made my way back through to that room. And the music was. Bruce Springsteen's Born to Run. <laughs> so there was a second miscommunication between wow. this woman and the DJ where he thought she wanted Bruce Springsteen's Born to Run, which for wow. her totally out of her range she's I, I don't think she was a big bruce springsteen fan so she was like uh -huh. and she was like bottoming out she couldn't hit it meanwhile i love springsteen's born to run i was born to run shoving my way through the crowd drunkenly i'm like i can do it but the crowd was like into it singing the song back to her trying to get her into it because the crowd's uh -huh. like, whoever sings Born to Run for a, for a karaoke, <laughs> everyone else is just singing Gaga songs. And they're like, yeah, wow, <laughs> one, two, three, four. Like, they were getting so into it. I was like, that could be me. That could I should have sang it. I'm so <laughs> stupid. And afterwards, she's like, where did you go? And I was like, I got sick. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, now, she, if she's watching this, now she knows the truth. Now she knows <laughs> I should, that's a lesson to you. If you get brought up to do karaoke, whatever the song is, just go for it and sell it and the crowd will be with you. The truth is though, LA is what ruined karaoke for me because in LA, everyone's a freaking amazing singer and they'll go up there and rock the place. It's not like everywhere else where people are just like giving it their all and having fun. In LA, it's like, mm -hmm. oh, you're an actual Broadway talented. It's like singing at 54 and below in New York. Like everyone's like an amazing singer and it gives you some imposter <laughs> syndrome. Like, oh, I just wanted to have fun and sing tequila. I guess that's not gonna cut it. Yo, it, man, sing however you want, wherever you want. Because <laughs> if, if if like if your voice isn't super good, then that is 
a commodity. Like, that's what people want to see. Because if everyone has a good voice, then who cares? But if your voice is just average or, like, not great, then that's fine, too. Like, it's just a fun time. Whatever. Thank you, MT. Uh, what about you? Have you ever uh, uh, been mm. in a Zemo position? Well, I don't have a whole lot of um, clubbing experience as I was uh, a loser in college. <laughs> I find that hard to believe. No, I'm just kidding. I just didn't really go out that much in college. Yeah, but yeah. when I did go out, when my friends finally dragged me from um, my uh, Doctor Who in Adventure Time um, mm-hmm. dorm room, um, where I would just watch those shows, um, I remember going to the club and ordering like my, one of my first drinks. Oh. And for me, like, I'm not a huge like alcohol guy. Uh-huh. So like I, when I went there, I was like, give me the most delicious drink that you have, sir, please. And he was like, uh, all right, I got this. I was like, no, that sounds like a man drink. I'm talking about give me the girliest drink A that Shirley Temple? Sir. Hold the temple. Exactly. I think he actually did make me a Shirley Temple. I don't know. I forget what it was, <laughs> but it was delicious, and it was in one of those little, uh, you know, those triangle cups. Oh, so I was oh, walking yeah, yeah. around sipping my drink, and people were like, MT, why are you drinking? Like, why don't you just have a beer? I was like, listen, <laughs> you guys are drinking your, your piss water beer. I'm drinking my delicious Whatever this is, this Apple man made TV. for me. And I got pretty f***ed up. I was uh, uh-huh. pretty somewhat nice. drunk after a couple of those. Because those, uh-huh. uh, oh, yeah. the drinks that taste good are the ones you have to look out for. Because uh-huh. you just down those. You just down those. Yeah, they're sneaky. Sneaky. And then um, I woke up in Kansas the next day. So that was, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but in fair, you went to college in Kansas. So that wasn't that bad, right? No, no. no. Oh, no, I did not. No, that was okay. in Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah, sneaky. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. That would be weird. Yeah. So that's not as cool as your story, but that's uh, just a funny thing that happened. It's like, oh, people are judging me for my, you know, martini. Whatever. Who cares? I'm that sounds like a true Zemo story that you had. I'm yes. uh, impressed. <laughs> and I'm I was uh, dancing uh, just as good as Zemo. Uh, probably. Oh, I'm sure you were. Oh, yes, of uh, course you were. Several people were hurt um, while I was attempting oh. to dance. Oh, um, but that's how you know you're doing it right. And that is it for this episode of Big Question. Thank you so much to Eric for joining me this episode. Follow him at EA Voss all over social media. And then follow me at Mastertainment as well. And follow new rock stars and subscribe to us on YouTube for amazing shows like Fitness Origins that my boy Eric is on. And he's killing it with Tommy Bechtold Uh um, and Philip Molina hosts. And it is amazing. Please. Go watch that. It's such a fun time. Uh, Tommy rocked it on the last video with that hammer challenge. Good oh, God. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, but spoilers. I want the spoilers. Oh, yeah. Watch just you wait. Just you wait till, uh, well, actually, by the time this comes out, I think the next one will come out, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that dance battle. Oh, that mm. dance battle one. Anyways, yes. Subscribe to New Rockstars here on YouTube and then hit that notification bell so you can get all of the notifications from whenever we upload our amazing videos here on the channel. And... Just take it easy, everyone. Stay yeah, safe. Yeah, take it easy. And, Stay uh, safe out there. Call your parents, maybe, because hey, they miss yes. you. Call them. Seriously. They do miss you. They love yeah. you. They talk to us right. all the time. Like, we're best friends <laughs> with them, and they have some concerns, but they love you. Yes, they, they talk to us. They say they, they they told us to tell you to call them because yeah. they just they miss you. They miss so you. So just do that, please. All right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> take it easy, everyone. <laughs>